0: Welcome to the Cook Collective Podcast. I'm Brandon Cook, and here along with my cousin Adam, we're here to speak about our life experiences and growth through plant medicines, meditation, exercise, diet, and how it all plays a vital role in our relationships and everyday lives.
1: Today is a recorded episode from a live stream that we did with the new Lost But Found Festival. There, it's a new festival that's coming April 15th through the 19th. Uh, about 30 minutes outside of Oklahoma City in the forest. It looks fucking cool, and we're excited. We've been invited to speak, and we took the invitation, and we said yes, and we're going out there. So we're, we're going to hold some, uh, some some talks and do some speakings and maybe uh, do some other fun stuff while we're there. Oh, what kind of fun stuff are we talking about? Well, whatever anyone offers me. <laughs> <laughs> Except booze. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to yeah, drink. yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i just kidding, not anything. But, but uh, this was a good one. We talked about uh, how to own your shit in a relationship, accountability, you know, how to take responsibility for your own actions, how to take account- responsibility for your own bullshit. And it was good. Brian's a rad dude. Uh, he's a, actually from the same town as me in Southern California. And um yeah we we just talk a lot about how important it is to actually listen um you know how how there's a lot of bad times that go along with the good times and that's just part of it. So we we think you guys are going to like this. This is also our first Zoom podcast. So it's going to be a little different than our than our sweet microphones we have in the at the studio, but still good stuff. Um but yeah, so follow them on Instagram, Lost But Found Festival, and uh, also too, if you're not following us on social media, we are at Cook Collective, C O O K E, and uh, myself is Adam T Cook, and Brandon is Funk Nasty Cook, uh, and we also have some really good new apparel out on the website at cookcollective.com. So, uh, yes, we hope you enjoy this. And uh, we also hope that you can pass it on to your friends. Please do. That helps us the most, more than anything. Word of mouth is the most powerful thing in the world. Even more powerful than the internet. What? I don't know. That's true. Internet got pretty powerful. Yeah. So... I think the aliens, the aliens might be more powerful th- than the internet. That's probably the only thing at this point. Mm, mm-hmm. The alien, alien power, definitely. The, the, the alien internet, that shit's powerful.
0: Way faster, dude. It's,
1: the, it's like our it's shit's like, like,
0: like early f- Earthlink dial up.
1: It's 15 G. <laughs> alien internet. Yeah, yeah. It's out of this world. Dude, they
0: have like the iPhone 30X Pro. It's nuclear. Already. It's yeah. run on nuclear battery. Yeah, you small, never have to charge it. Small nuclear reactor inside of it. It yeah. charges itself with its own use. So therefore, the more you use Instagram, the more it charges itself. I heard
1: it charges you. I wonder if aliens do a lot of selfies.
0: There's a bunch. Like, eh. there's, they like come down and take a quick shot in front of the Taj Mahal before anyone catches them and they post it to
1: alien Instagram. S- selfies for, for aliens, selfies are probably like us seeing cave drawings (laughs) (laughs) they're just like huh i wonder Uh, what this means god why (laughs) are they like praying to this thing it's just like no there's just a picture of a cool looking cow what is this sort of thing where they want to look at their own face (laughs) and other people to look at their face? first question
0: i'm going to ask the aliens when they come is what do you think of our
1: selfies yeah, what do you think of my selfies? Yeah, because I, I, I need your approval. I need your approval. Yeah, what, are you gonna double? You tap it. Here, give me your finger. So,
0: is one alien like? How many human likes is that?
1: Oh fuck, dude, that's everything.
0: So, like, yeah, whatever. Fuck your like ten thousand likes. I have one alien like.
1: I have one alien like. That's all you need. Yeah, that's it. Fucking. You just moved to the famous, forest dude. after that. Yeah, I Live did it, naked. dude.
0: I I I've achieved all there is to achieve in life at right. that point.
1: Take me back to your maker. <laughs> Whatever it is. Give me 15G and a phone, and I'll just be naked and go to another planet. <laughs> I'll call you guys later. All right, guys. This is going to be a fun festival, bunch of music. Brandon's actually playing out there, too, and Evan Hatfield is playing. Evan Hatfield is the one that does our intro music. Dude is insane, musician. Saxophone, he plays the... uh Tar. Tar. Synthesizer
0: I mean, Maniac.
1: Synthesizer, synthesizer House Music. His mixes on SoundCloud are really good. Really good. So check them out, Evan yeah. Hatfield. Uh, love you guys. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoy. all right we're live
0: at the digital lost but found festival
1: digital lost but found festival it took us uh took us a little bit with some technical difficulties but hey we learned a lot you know
0: (laughs) in the age of zoom and live streaming right there's always a workaround for everything sometimes it takes takes a minute
1: this is actually our first video podcast we've never done one before we've been kind of (laughs) anti We're spreading germs between each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a there's no better way to learn than like having to being forced to do it. So Brian, thanks for giving us the opportunity to just jump into doing this.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us. Seriously, (laughs) absolutely, it's in it's an honor. This is our first one. Uh, This is our first you know kind of live. Live festival, and we're looking forward to doing the actual festival. When when is it? It's in the spring. Yeah, it's uh April
2: 15th through 19th of this year.
1: Stoked. That's gonna be fun. I'm
0: super stoked. I'm, already, I'm getting stoked about the musical lineup because I'm friends with a lot of
2: these guys. And <laughs> oh yeah, it's gonna, this gonna be is, a fun time. Fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, so yeah. for everyone listening out there, the uh our intro music is evan hatfield he's brandon and him are really close friends he's a really cool guy and he's going to be playing (laughs) at this festival also i just can't wait to get back in the festival atmosphere bring me some Mm.
0: i'm I'm not going to know what to do with myself i'm going to be like overwhelmed and overstimulated
1: like (laughs) man i feel it Um, (laughs) right is it okay if i give a talk on acid absolutely yeah (laughs) i (laughs) talked I actually say some funny shit where I kind of my like so I'll be talking, and pe- pe- people are laughing more, more than normal. I'll be like, I just <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's about <laughs> right. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to really get the audience engaged. <laughs> Look, the problem. The,
0: the problem for me is I always have all these great things I'm talking about, then I realize I'm just like, there's, there's too much going on in my head. You just won't understand. And I just stop. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it, acid gives me a really it it I'm able to like point things out that I wouldn't normally be able to point out about a situation that we're in which is was like it's it's fun. It's so much fun. So yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. You, maybe we'll uh, mic- microdose a little bit. Yeah. We'll so we're not too <laughs> right, on. Huh? <laughs> actually,
0: actually had a beautiful LSD experience to start off the new year on New Year's Day. My partner and I went on a hike in Mill Valley here, up uh, near San Francisco, and almost ran into Bob Weir. Like I was pretty gosh. sure this dude was Bob Weir, and I was like, "Dude, it's New Year's oh, Day. I'm on acid. Oh of course, I'm gonna run into Bob Weir." I just want to start yelling, <laughs> "Bobby, Bobby!" <gotta> <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. You should have run up to him.
1: <laughs> oh, the uh, what what was it like? Was it what was the weather like? The
0: weather on New Year's Day was gorgeous. I mean, Mill Valley is beautiful. You know, There's the trees. Um, we were along some of the old fire roads uh, that eventually lead up to this lookout tower, like on Mount uh, Pius up there. And, you know, we started this hike and then kind of started feeling, you know, like the. LSD come on and sat in this giant oak tree and just like felt just like completely nurtured by this oak tree and just like like I was like climbing up the branches and just got like real high up on this tree and just sat and just like had all these kind of beautiful revelations and visions and I've been diving a lot into into my Celtic heritage and oak trees play such a huge part in the Celtic lore and kind of like spiritual practices that it was really beautiful just to kind of sit among the moss and the oak trees and just kind of like meditate with it.
1: Why why is that the oak trees are a part of the Celtic lore?
0: Well, oak trees are important in a lot of different cultures. You know, it's like, it's so representative of like this strong figure of of life. You know, it's like, you know, acorns come from it. Um, You know, just, they're so sturdy and so big that, you know, you always hear, you know, and and actually something that I want to research more of is like the why, because so much of the kind of, pre-Christian practices and lore of Celtic and Druid traditions are lost now. But just of, you always hear them come up a lot in reference in Celtic legends and lore. And uh, my girlfriend and I just watched this awesome movie called uh, The Wolf Walkers that takes place in like um, Middle Ages in Ireland about these like people that are half wolf, half people. And, you know, they're trying to protect this forest from getting cut down by um, the Protestants more or less that, that were coming in. And this is like it was such a reminder of like the importance of the, of the woods there. Cause when you're in Ireland, you always hear every, every forest has a legend to it and they're usually haunted. And I started thinking like, well, why are they haunted? Is it just like, you know, very conservative religious practices, post-Christianity made people scared of like the Druid and ancient Celtic, like spiritual practices of like these, you know, legends mm-hmm. of fairies and walkers and different things. And when really they were just, living off the land and kind of practicing more pagan traditions and being more one with nature but it went a lot against the kind of more Protestant traditions that were kind of much more puritanical and so yeah it was just it was just really nice to kind of just sit there and and connect with a tree with an oak tree that way you know (laughs) so my my, my new thing for this year is oak trees (laughs) learning
1: about oak trees (laughs) oak tree this weekend.
0: <laughs> what you do? I sat in an oak tree, man. I mean, dude, that was the beautiful thing with LSD, too. I was just like, I was like a little kid again. I would see a tree, and I would just run to it and start climbing up, and people looking at me like, you know, <laughs> I was like hanging upside down
2: off of and
1: stuff.
2: I've never seen a tree I don't love. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> how much How much did you guys take? Um,
0: we like split a tab, like I put it in a cup, and we kind of split it like 25 percent 75 percent something like that and just went out wandering
1: cool Uh, i want to i want to try dabble in in microdosing lsd i listened to a couple podcasts where people do it and and if you i want to just you know put put a hit on a tab and cut it in in like quarters maybe or maybe the, the easiest
0: way to do it is you get you know like a vial and you you'd put it in a water bottle, like a hundred milliliter water bottle. And so then you can divvy it out into 10 milliliter drops or you know, shots or whatever. Okay. So that way you can be really like sure of how much you're taking.
1: Huh.
2: So do you have to like shake it up and stuff first and make sure it's uh mixed up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. They stir,
0: stir it around a bit. I mean, it kind of
2: just like dilutes through there totally,
0: you know, But if you use it in that kind of way, you can be sure if you want to do like five micrograms or 10 or, you know, whatever the dosage you want to do is.
1: Yeah, that's that's my New Year's resolution. So that's actually
0: I I was listening to an interview with, oh, my gosh, I can't remember his name, but he was one of the first people to synthesize mescaline. And he was saying the Shulgin? Yes. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and
0: he was saying that the only danger, one of the dangers he sees in microdosing LSD consistently, you know, for people that are doing it like all the time, is it does put your body into like a heightened state of kind of like adrenaline rush. Like your body is mm-hmm. in somewhat of a state of panic. So if you're doing it all the time, it could develop, is basically not good grape on your heart.
2: Your or less. In your
0: heart yeah. Because even if you're not feeling it like you would with a full dose, it's still putting your body in that same kind of state where you put your, it can put your heart into like a regular rhythm,
1: more I, or less. too. When you're, when you're resting is typically not good for you, for sure. Any what? Anything that raises your, your heart rate when you're, when you're resting is not typically good for you or, you know, when you're sitting, that's why yeah. things like, like uh, stimulants or, it sucks because they're, they're all so good, especially when you're doing things and you want to be alert and awake. But it's you're, you know, they they say like maybe your heart only has so many beats in it. Mm. So are you are you technically using up all those beats, or is that really a thing? I'm not sure, but I kind of feel like it is. I mean, a thing's only going to beat so many times and then it stops. Some people's beat for 30 years, some beat for a hundred. I mean, you just kind of. And are those people, you know, some of the people that live the longest are the ones that rest the most. Yeah. They're, yeah. Or they, they, they don't do much. They, they do, they walk a lot and they and they eat really good.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, that's definitely something I've been feeling this year and this last year in particular with like kind of how crazy I've been working is the making sure to get more rest thing. Because I kind of was just running on adrenaline many days, you know, because it was just not getting the rest I needed. And you feel your heart after so many days of that. It's kind of telling you, like, this isn't sustainable.
1: This isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. You need to get some more rest this year, Brandon. You work too. hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal. So I just took these last two weeks. Yeah, Brandon. <laughs> I, was, I was just. Three weeks straight and then sleeps for like four days.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. yeah
0: it's not the healthiest that's like basically all i did over christmas was like i was just talking to my partner now i was like i'm starting to feel a little antsy because since christmas day i've basically just been like sleeping and like not doing a whole lot now i'm starting to get antsy again like i
2: mean did you even celebrate christmas if you didn't sleep four days after right (laughs) (laughs) did you truly have a good christmas party yeah
0: but I don't know. I like I do. I do find for myself that the period between Christmas and New Year's Day is always kind of like a a weird time emotionally. Like I kind of go into more of a hibernative state of kind of Mm -hmm. reflection of just like finding like the waves of like, you know, like what was coming up a lot for me during this time was like anxiety and like forms of depression that were coming up due to like the okay. downtime nothing to distract me as much and it was kind of powerful to to sit with that and still be like processing that going into the new year of like you know i i think something that's hard for me is to be bored because i never am i'm always going and just to finally be at a place where i'm sitting still and realizing like what comes up what well, was really good and you know giving oh, yeah. me giving me new things to work on for 2021 nice
1: yeah like, like our relationships
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so adam what what are we diving what are we diving into today into today
1: well i had kind of this um i had this idea pop up about a week or two ago to just talk about the things that we've done in our lives and past relationships and not really held ourselves accountable because really honestly i've only been holding myself accountable for the past five years six years i spent you know almost 40 years being a shithead so good thing
0: we're not ever anymore
1: either <laughs> <laughs> a lot better that's for sure i'm only 80% shithead now <laughs> 20% 80, shit 80% gotta
2: come shithead. for something yeah
1: yeah <laughs> so um but You know, one of the things that I see and I've seen throughout my relationships and when I was more of a shithead and one of the things I see with a lot of other people and other relationships around me, people that are close to me at work or people that are close to me just in my life and friends and stuff and their spouses, et cetera, is just people not not being accountable for their own shit. Just not like not stepping up and taking responsibility for your (laughs) actions. And those actions could be even you not listening to the other person. It could be you, you know, doing shit your own way because that's the way you want to do it. And I think that there's so many different levels to not owning your shit that it starts to just kind of turn into this thing where you identify with it. That's who I am. Well, Mm Well, you know, well, I'm not I'm just not a fucking person that I'm just not the kind of person that does that. And it's like, well, wait, then you don't want this to work. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't want to own their shit, doesn't want their relationship to work, period. Yeah. And until you do, it's not going to work. You're not going to just get by the rest of your relationship with unless your spouse has crazy self-esteem issues and is never going to get on top of their life ever. And they're just going to get shit on their entire life. You're either gonna create some massive depression within that person and mental problems, and which is gonna spill over into your children and into your life and into their work life. And they're just it's just gonna be a series of problems because your foundation at home is is everything. It, I could I compare it to like if my foundation at home is built on a pile of sand, the rest of my life is no good. So yep. How can I begin to be that concrete that mixes in with that, that mixture of sand and rock to make that thing solid that we can build on, that, that my my child's got his safe place and, and my, my, my girl's got her safe place and my family and mom and parents and everybody have this safe place that they can confide in me when they need me to step up and say, you know, even if I've done something wrong in the past and no one ever brought brought it up, bring it up to me. I'm okay with that. There was a time in my life where I wasn't and there's was a time in my life where where I I thought that, well, you should change because I'm good. And there's, there's a lot of that going around right now, especially with people being stuck at home and stuck with their, their spouses and learning so much more about them than they wanted to learn probably. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah
2: wait, I didn't never
1: want to know this part of you. Now, I'm stuck with you. now I really know you. Holy shit. You're a, you're a shithead.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it's so easy to look if, if you're feeling some sort of tension or anxiety or something come up, how easy it is to look at somebody that's like really close in your life. And that could even be like your, your business partner. It's somebody that you're around all the time. That is them. But to me, it's like somebody that you share like a, Form of intimacy with is such a powerful mirror, and it's funny because when when you called me and were like, "Hey, what do you think about talking about this subject?" It was like been coming up for for my partner and I a lot because we just spent the last past two weeks like inside together, like around Christmas. Normally, it's like if we're together for an extended period of time, we're out on a trip or something, and I was noticing it was starting to come up of like, oh you know, there, there's something, there's something off between us. She's doing something. And it was literally like, once I was able to step outside of it, I realized like, she's just standing there being, and I'm like, just being like, there's something disconnecting between us. There's something, this, something that, and it's just me, but you know, just literally standing there doing nothing. And I'm the one that's like, Oh, something's off. Something's weird. Instead of just realizing that there's something within me that's off and need to acknowledge that maybe I'm just having a weird day and take that instead of putting that, pressure and that projection onto my partner of just owning that it is in fact something I'm going through. And even though I don't want to admit whether it's anxiety or depression or anger or whatever it is that's lying in me, that that is me. And something that they're doing may be or may not be triggering that in me, but there's not anything that they're necessarily like doing where you're projecting that out at them of like, you're doing this wrong. That's what's pissing me off. Kind of thing. And that's so easy to do because it's so much easier to be like, is there is that thing? It's that other person that's causing me to feel this way. It isn't like something within me.
1: Yeah, it's 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 really easy for us to build us a an assumption in our mind and make it true. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can build this assumption of what of, of what that other person's doing what they're thinking, why they're thinking that they're thinking that because we know that we did something and it could be from that, but no, we're going to twist it this way and we're going to feel, we're going to twist it. So they're kind of at fault or whatever. And instead of just the, those thoughts that come up, cause you're, you know, I was listening to, to the latest Ram Dass podcast and he was talking about how your mind is a series of film that are always going. And these film reels are just gonna keep on going and going and going and you have a choice whether you wanna act on them or not because at the end of the day, they're all thoughts. And the bad thoughts usually arise from lust and hatred. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts of lust might actually spill over into your relationship, wanting your partner to be more. Mm -hmm. Your, your, Your thoughts of hatred could stem from a girl or a guy that cheated on you or fucked you over at some point. And that's spilling over into your relationship now. And you're starting to go, wait, I've seen this pattern. That's, mm-hmm. pattern. that's it, here it is. And they could be completely innocent, but you're making assumptions and you're starting to build a real scenario off these thoughts. And then you're starting to act on them. And then it comes out in the form of like, I fucking know what's up. <laughs> Like, you? I, you know, I knew it. I've seen this before, and, it, and they're just like, uh, what? they're just saying they're being, and you're <laughs> like, I knew it. <laughs> I mean, like, thinking about fucking Care Bears or something, and you're like,
0: <laughs> it's like, it's like those those memes where you see like the girl and the guy laying in bed, and it's like, I bet he's thinking about other women, and he's like thinking about like monster trucks yeah. or something, you know,
1: barrel <laughs> like, surfing. And he's just like, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it's so true, and there's been a this, 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 you know, I guess idea of confirmation bias to me that is such an important part of that of like you look for signs to confirm a thought process that you have and it isn't it isn't true it's just you're finding things like it's the same thing of there's something in our human egos that's like somebody could tell a thousand people could tell you that you're doing something great you're looking for that one person to tell you you suck yeah You know that's and that's the one that's going to stay with you and it's such an interesting thing when it comes to something that's as vulnerable and intimate as a partnership of looking for that confirmation bias of being of whether that's something that you're feeling unworthy about something that is less coming up um anger whatever it might be of looking for that confirmation bias to reaffirm your thought process uh something that came up for me in meditation I guess it was yesterday and it was really tough to look at was I never really thought I had trust issues, but what was coming up for me was realizing that there's an aspect of me that for when I'm especially like in not like the healthiest mindset about something and I can feel myself maybe spinning out due to like anxiety that's come up or whatever is looking for that confirmation bias of somebody to like do something to spite me and not tell me, you know, so it's like, Hey, are you okay? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm fine. And you're like, no, they're, they're like really thinking this. Or like, you know, if if you ask your your close friend or your partner or whatever, that if they want to go do something, and it doesn't happen, that kind of thought process that would come up for me is like, oh, they made sure not to do it to spite me. And it's not something that I'm actively like conscious that I'm doing, but realizing like disappointment over something not happening, like a, a plan's falling through or something was the result of it was like these trust issues. And again, I think it was due like you're saying to your mind, being a set of reels playing over it's either scenarios that have happened to you in your life, scenarios that you've witnessed in your life to cause trust issues, you know? And to me, it's like the only way that those trust issues or those, even if they were doing something to spite you could really affect you is if you believe that about yourself. You know, is that to me, it's the same topic as saying, like, if someone tells you you're stupid, it's just a word. The only reason that word hurts is because you actually believe it. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, you're creating this hell reality for yourself where you're believing all these things, even though your partner or whoever the the person in question is, is doing nothing. But creating these scenarios in yourself and finding these confirmation biases over whether it's something they said, body language, whatever, that they're You know, for me, a big one is like, if they're, you know, quiet or moody, that is automatically something I did. And then I'm like, oh, well, I just did, you know, instead of like, oh, they probably, maybe they're not feeling well today. Maybe they have a lot on their mind, but it's like, oh, great. Well, what did I do today? You know, and you're kind of, and it doesn't matter what they say when you're in that mindset. It's just like, you're going to hear it how you want to hear it to reaffirm your
1: beliefs. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the creating... Assumptions has destroyed a lot of, you know, potential relationships I could have had in the past, especially when I was younger, that, oh, this girl's too hot for me. Mm -hmm. Or we had a guy that had more money than me before, so I'm not gonna be able to to pull this, there's no way. Like, she's out of my league. Yeah. Insecurities, just pure, straight insecurities that didn't matter at all, but I let those things fester. And, and I let them build, you know, I'm, I've been reading, I've been talking about this a lot lately, but I've been reading the, the Dham, Dhammapada and I, I never realized how kind of everything that book is. It's the original te- teachings of B- Buddha <clears throat> and it's all about how to control your thoughts. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's everything because your thoughts are not real till you materialize them. And uh-huh. Other people's thoughts of you or other what other people say about you is just them. It has nothing to do with you. So even if someone calls you stupid, you're like, oh, okay, you call me blue. I'm not blue. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> color, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. You say whatever you want. If, if you believe that and you let somebody tell you something that you believe, it's kind of like, like how many times have – have a has a doctor given someone a diagnosis and says, Hey, you're this. And they turn around and they beat it So because they were like, no, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not a cancer patient. No, I'm not uh this or that or whatever it, it is. And they turn around and beat it because the power of their mind overcomes it and, and allows them to become this person that can overcome d- disease. So so you let these 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 words and these thoughts fester in your mind you let them grow it's a disease of, of the mind mm-hmm. these insecurities are diseases of the mind and until you learn to battle those with the the mantras of of i'm i'm you know every day and every way i'm getting better and better mm-hmm. something like that i i read this book called the uh the the, the millionaire next door, it's amazing. It's about how to have a good relationship with money and how to mm. how how to believe in yourself enough to really believe that you're worth millions of dollars and that you mm. will make millions of dollars within the next five years. How you just start putting one foot in front of the other and set goals, but but it's about believing in yourself. So believing in yourself in a relationship which is Everything because a relationship is gonna bring you a good relationship, a solid relationship is gonna bring you success in your career. It's gonna bring the success of children, and it's gonna bring you the success of raising strong children. The man, you know, all by being able to own our own shit and by being able to go, hey, those thoughts aren't real. What that person said is 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 a reflection of how they feel inside. And it has nothing to do with me. I'm going to hold my peace. I'm going to hold m- my thoughts and, and get rid of the ones that I don't like. I'm going to let the good ones faster. I'm going to let the bad ones go. And this is how life's going to go.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's so true because it's like, you know, words are just words. They're not going to shake you if you have a solid foundation. If you are centered in yourself, if you have knowledge of self, that isn't going to shake you. That's not going to rock you to your core unless those words are re- resonating true within your own beliefs. You know, something I, I always say a lot is like, the best thing I can do for my relationship is work on myself, yep. you know? And it's like, I wanna honor my relationship and respect my partner so much that it's like the best thing I can do for that to honor her is to work on myself.
1: The best thing we can do for the world is to work on ourselves. Everyone, yeah. hear that. Yeah. The best thing, you wanna change the world, work on yourself. If every single person started to work on their own compassion, number one, if every single person could look at another person and lead with love, if every single person could look within and try to find and uncover their own trauma through therapy, through psychedelics, through meditation, and just know, hey, I know something really shitty happened to me a long time ago. Maybe I should start to deal with that now instead of drinking. Maybe I should start to deal with that now instead of gaining a hundred pounds and eating my life away. I mean, there's just so much trauma in this country. We have 40% of this country is morbidly obese. Only 12% are considered healthy. That starts with your mind being fucked up. It starts with trauma. And then the minute that we all begin to really work on ourselves and realize that our anger that we have spewing out of us for our spouse is, is from trauma all that shit is is from this like we have these like rain barrels you know that, that's what uh, uh, uh dr uh, uh what's his name from the the he he wrote the book the rainbow barrel effect I've talked about it here before but you have all these oh yeah like his his is in regards to uh, uh, toxins but I look at it the same way as as far as 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 trauma and ex- experiences once you start to have all these bad experiences that you're not you're not dealing with, and you're not holding yourself accountable, which is also going to let you forgive yourself, you're going to boil over. It's going to go bad. You're going to get disease. You're going to get mental problems. You're going to go through depression. You're you're going to gain weight. You're not going to perform well at your job and your career. You're not going to want to play with your kids. You're not going to want to teach your kids a second language. I mean, there's There's those that bit extra. Your mind has to be sharp, and your mind has to be sharp for a relationship. And your mind has to be sharp to be able to let those bad thoughts go. You have to be, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: And that—that's the hardest thing, you know. Like I was saying this week, was the first time that like I've experienced like like some serious anxiety in a a long time. You know, the anxieties come up this year mainly due to like deadlines and stuff like that. Kind of what I call, you know, more like work-based anxieties that are normal and they can be healthy because it helps you make sure you get stuff done but it was one where I'm like I know it's bad when I'm sitting in a beautiful place I would love I'm drinking coffee under a tree and I'm not fully present in it you know and I'm finding that my thoughts are what's taking me out of my present situation and I'm going okay I love I should love everything about the situation why am I not And a hard thing to do is in that it's so easy to constantly fight and just go like, what? I should enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this right now. When you're like sitting and you're like focusing really hard on enjoying it, but you also have to let yourself be of just going, you know what? I feel shitty right now. And that is like the first step into diving in and everything is layers, right? Like, I think you brought up an important point of like the more things go undealt with, the easier it, the more they bubble up until it spews out into the world. And to me, that's what you don't want is like, When you start projecting your negativity, your shit that hasn't been dealt with onto other people, and luckily, you know, we have people in our life that are very compassionate to us when that happens, but then you're doing a disservice because you're allowing these, like, black magic, and that's what I love in the Four Agreements, they say, you know, words are magic, don't let your words become black magic, Mm -hmm. and that's when we start spewing black magic into the world through anger, through hate, through um projecting like you're saying with lust of like wanting more from somebody than what they are that comes from when there's a lot of untapped undealt with shit that's just boiling over into a point where then you're just spewing it out now the hard thing is when you're in that mindset is how do you step outside of it and deal with it you know that's what i think for me i found this past week of just being a lazy slob after christmas i wasn't on a daily practice i wasn't getting up i wasn't exercising i wasn't meditating and it kind of Consume me in that, and not staying. My mind wasn't sharp anymore. I, my mind was so foggy this past week.
1: Yeah, same. I was
0: way. just, I was eating a ton of. You know, I was eating really bad. I was just kind of let myself just like go. I was like it's Christmas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just like sleep. Calorie counter off.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: back, on, back on tomorrow, I think. I I, mean, like, it, it's,
0: um... I I ate enough sugar to like feed like you know, large family <laughs> in,
1: in a couple of days. <laughs> One of my vendors that, that we do fleece with, he bought me this big old box of, we bought for our office, this big box of ch- chocolates and cookies and I just brought it all home. <laughs> I than half of it. It's so bad. I know. All right, it was so good. <laughs> I'm quit right. I, I, I keep looking at it as like, well, I quit drinking, so.
0: <laughs> you know what? And I think that's where the, the, the push and pull of everything is. It's like, I think it's important, and you know, and Adam, you've been really good for me of like, I love your mentality of like, you're like the, the drill sergeant about stuff, you know? And I think it's like, you have to have a, a, a balance in your life of like being the drill sergeant on yourself. And then also being compassionate with yourself. Cause then there's that point of like, well, I didn't do it. And you can't beat yourself up over not doing it, but you get out the next day and you try again,
1: you know? I have, I have a couple friends that just this past month <clears throat> were, they, they were trying to quit drinking and they quit for a few months and they were like, oh dude, I went out with a girl that I met online. and. We had, we had some drinks, man. And like, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't, I don't ever give anyone shit when they, when they slip up. I, I, just go, I go, hey. Every time you quit, you get better at it.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, yeah. quitting is a skill. I'm
1: a failure. I'm a failure. Dude. It's just that. It's just it's the bottom line of, and and this is something that I want to kind of that I want to cover today in this same topic is we change when we want to. Yeah. So if you're the one that won't change in your relationship, if you don't stop drinking or you don't stop doing something that you know you need to do, that's hindering your relationship, your career, your health, your life, it's because you don't want to, I know you can get physically addicted and you go through some withdrawals, especially with drinking. That's a really easy one, but only lasts about a week. So it's just, once I made up the mind, my mind that I'm not going to drink anymore. I didn't. And it it took me a few months of craving it and some non-alcoholic beers. Kat and I did did some sass the the other night and stayed up all night. And I was drinking a few non-alcoholic beers just to have that party feeling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, that's it. After I decided I'm done then I'm done and and I'm okay with that. It's kind of, you know, once you decide you're done with a relationship in your life, you get rid of that person's number. You don't talk to them anymore. You don't. You don't entertain it. So that's the way I look at drinking or anything else. And there's, I think this is a big one in relationships because I think a lot of people out there carry this bogus mindset of that's who I am. Well, that's who I am. Sorry. Yeah. This is this is what you get. You can't handle me at my worst. Can't handle this. Like fuck off. <laughs> soft
0: <laughs> and for some reason like whenever i hear that i always just think about like the dude like working on his motorcycle like slamming back some taps like watching football be like sorry babe can't handle you this you don't deserve me my best <laughs> you
1: know like, like fucking babbo from la, la, la bamba did you ever see that i'm kind of look no. with that one oh, la bamba the, the richie valens movie oh you have to watch that one brandon that's one of yeah the- yeah oh, yeah because it's richie valens yeah He's the he's the young Mexican uh, rock, rock star that makes. It. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, man! No, I saw it when I was like when I was young. I'll oh, watch like, it again. Yeah, yeah,
1: oh, yeah, good, dude. His yeah. brother Babo is one of the best characters of all time. He's just this like, like really like just drug shitty drug dealer Mexican biker dude. It's just like hilarious. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know it's we can't we. We, we can't have this idea that that's who I am and you have to fucking deal with it. And, 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 uh, you know, if you want to change, if you want your relationship to work and you know that you need to change, you can do it if you want to, that's the whole thing. And, and if your spouse, you see some things in your spouse that you would like changed, Well, change your shit first, you know, because no one's going to change really anybody. We're just going to be able to change ourselves. And if we lead by example, for example, if you think your spouse is a little bit overweight, they should be working out a little more. We'll get your ass working out every day, you know, because your chances are that after you're working out for a few weeks straight, you're going to catch them working out.
0: Well, and, you know, too, I think it, it starts so much earlier um, when getting into a partnership, and why it's so important before getting into a partnership to have that knowledge of self of like what are the core fundamentals about me that like you know because I think you 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 can tend to hear so much about the like well you know start dating somebody and like in the hopes that they would change mm-hmm. and I think that's such a dangerous concept because I love the idea again like coming back to like one of the principles of the Four Agreements of take people for exactly how they are. You don't look at a tree and expect that a pine tree is going to become an oak tree. You go in, you know, and you can help water that tree. So it will grow more that you can do things. So it helps to flourish what's already there, but not that you're going to change the core fundamentals of it. And I think we can get fixated on so many aspects of relationship that are you know, whether it's, you know, you have a lot of fun with the person that you're very infatuated with them, you find them very attractive and that's all well and good. But if you're talking about getting into a serious relationship with somebody, you have to look beyond that. What are their core fundamentals? Does that align with yours? What are your, more more importantly, then you have to understand what your core fundamentals are. What are the things in you that you would be willing to change and want to change? and what are the things about you that you know are like your, part of your dharma in this life like you're like this is who i am so it's like someone wouldn't come to me and like expect me to like not be a musician anymore or something you know there's like certain aspects of us that you have to know what is it about me that is me and i enjoy and then you'd be giving up a piece of yourself for a relationship and that's when it gets uh, dangerous and gets toxic yeah and you need to know that before going into a relationship but again that all starts with having knowledge of self before entering into a partnership where again, it's like, to me, it's not the best time necessarily to go into a partnership. If you're in the middle of doing that deep dive within yourself, because then there can be a lot that gets lost. Like, you know, there's even a lot that comes up for me being in a partnership now for the past year of like being like, Oh man, I'm so good. I feel so good about myself. This most centered I ever have been, but then being in love brings up a whole new layer of insecurities of jealousies of, all the human emotions that come up from being in such a vulnerable spot with another person and being in partnership means that you're trusting this person with your vulnerabilities. And that brings up a whole new set of layers then to work on.
1: Yeah. I think that's where you really have to start to learn to listen really well. That's been one of my biggest relationships is actually listening, not waiting to talk not getting through the conversation, but actually listening and figuring out what that person really needs and what they're really made of. And it's not easy to do. It's not easy to really truly listen and be silent and actually listen to what they have to say about you. I mean, that's that's one reason we love psychedelics so much is because what the medicine tells us. And when I'm... When I had that last LSD experience down, down in Baja, it was just beating me over the head with lessons. And I'm like, ah, oh, stop. <laughs> it's like, but that's those lessons, like if they're not going to stop. So what's the difference in taking lessons from your spouse? What's the difference in them telling you your shortcomings and, and you being man enough to stand up and just own it? Like, damn, okay. That's hard to hear, but that's what I needed to hear because this person loves me. And if they tell you that and you immediately throw up this defense of, well, no one that loves me would say that, well, maybe the person that's closest to you loves you the most is saying that thing because they want you to be a better person because maybe you're a shithead. Yeah, you. (laughs) I like hearing that. I know when I'm a shithead, I'm like, damn, that guy. That guy's talking to me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: you just talk straight to me? No, it's, it's true. And, you know, it's like such an ego flair to hear something that you know is true about yourself that oh, it's maybe is something you it's don't it's like. So and it intriguing. especially when it comes from someone that's close to you, you know, like if you were going to tell me something like, hey, dude, you've been doing this. It's really shitty. Like it would hurt but it hurt in a way where I'd want to change it. Cause I'm like, damn, like Adam's my cousin. He's like my brother. And he says this man, that like hurt, but not that I'm pissed at you for saying it. It's like, appreciate that you brought that up. My mm-hmm. girlfriend says the same thing. It's like, there's that part of me that kind of like the ego players. i like, Oh, and you want to say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm perfect. And you're like, Ooh, this is somebody who's close to me and they're saying this, this
1: means I would- a lot. I went through a whole stage like that where about 10 years ago it was was my buddy Joe again we were in Mexico and we were we were on acid again actually and uh and we had a day down from surfing and I just got in a fight with my sister about kind of a a similar thing but I have this I used to carry this kind of feeling that I'm just letting you talk because I got something to say. That's really the important part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I, I went through a stage of that for a good three, three to four years, probably. I, I don't know why. I think it was after my, it was post Ibogaine, I believe for like a good year or two there. And I was still kind of like getting my like mind back. And uh, And I just, I felt, I always felt like I had so much to say that it was it's like okay 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 so this here is what I got to say and and, people, and finally Joe one time was like dude fuck you <laughs> I'm like and I, I started crying. I, I I remember, and he felt all bad. I'm, I'm like, you know, because he, he, he told me, he was "Like, dude, all you want to do is fucking talk. You don't fucking listen." And I'm like, "Dude, my sister was thing, fuck.'" And I'm like, fucking crying. I'm like, like on acid, like staring at the ocean, like just like, <laughs> know what, what, what to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I really worked on it from that point because he's one of my closest friends, and thinking you know, of my my sister telling me the same kind of thing, and it's kind of it's a It's a it's a eye opening, but I changed because I wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. We can all change. We can you can change today. If the doctor told you that if you don't stop drinking today, you're gonna die because your liver's smoked. You can you're gonna stop drinking probably today. Yeah. Yeah. Some degenerates might not, because they want to die and they're suicidal but if you want to make that change you're going to do it in one day if if i come to to you and i say brandon if you help me build this new business i'm going to pay you a million dollars within one year but i need you to start tomorrow you know would you do it a lot of people would and you're going to make that change to do that and and work towards that and get that in one day because you know that there's a financial reward at the end Well, once you start to realize that there's not a lot of people out there for you, there's only a certain amount of people in this world that are really going to love you. And if you have one that loves you, don't let it go. If you have one that you feel is going to be a good father or a good mother and you know that this is what you want. But there are some things that people have to work on themselves. Allow that to happen i think we had talked about this in the first podcast so what's a couple years when you have children and you know that there's a possibility that person can fix themselves because you see that they want to make progress and they are doing things that help their mind maybe they're maybe they're praying every day maybe they're whatever it is exercising but they're showing you signs of progress support them in that
0: yeah you know i think this is why when if you know to talking about relationships and why dating is so important before getting into an area of like having kids of marriage if that's you know or whatever your concept of like coming you know like making a union is is really being with each other for a time to like grow together because I do feel there are people in our lives that's like we're all on the super highway and some people like hop on the train with you and are there for the part of the ride. And then sometimes you split ways and that's beautiful too, you know, and that's where, you know, we have, can have many relationships in our lives and all of them are for the growth and hopefully the betterment of both people, even if it ends poorly. And the more that we understand about ourselves and the other person, I think you can also feel when it is time to split. As well. And hopefully if you're both in a place of understanding yourself, you can split in an amicable place where you have a lot of respect for each other and it isn't an ugly breakup because there are some relationships, some friendships that just aren't meant to last your whole life but are there to grow together for that period of like whatever, like your souls are meant to teach each other at that time and split. And then there's people that are in your life where you're meant to be together for a long time. So maybe that's until you're old and one person passes away. Maybe that's just for like an extended period of time and you raise a child together and then you split whatever it may be. But understanding again, where to that point of, I think a mistake I've made in past relationships is not knowing when to leave because one person wasn't willing to make the relationship work. Or should or didn't feel that it was just like this isn't working. It's time to end it. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely can be much more of somebody that's like, I stick my head down and I'll like run my head into a wall to try to make something work instead of just being like, this isn't working. And you know, we were talking about quitting things earlier is not being afraid to quit. Quitting isn't a bad thing. There's a time and place where it's just like something isn't working for either party, and it's time to move on. But again, that can seem like a scary place. And the more that you're in touch with, like, what are your goals, your aspirations, what is right in your life and what is right in your partner's life and what is their goals and aspirations and who they are as the fundamental of their being isn't aligning anymore. And that's not, it's not going to align, you know, you can put the work in, you can make it work, but as soon as like one party doesn't want to make it work anymore, it's not going to I feel like this is, it's, it's not going to work and it can turn toxic if you keep trying to force it.
2: Yeah.
0: just not time to keep it going.
2: And, and yeah. Do you think people, uh, people could split and then eventually get back together? What's that? What's that? Do you think uh, people could split and eventually get back together?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think anything's possible. I think that the the way that you hear about it more times than not is, and we, you know, I'm talking about where we live you know, in America is that people do it out of a place of comfortability, which isn't right. You know, it's just like you split with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, whatever. And then you end up getting back together a short time later. Cause it's like, maybe you date a couple people and you're like, well, I miss that aspect of that person. So you get back together, but that isn't necessarily the right thing to do. That's like more going back to something that's comfortable instead of something that's like, supposed to be for your growth. Now, maybe after a period of time you come back to together because you both went your ways and got back. But I don't know, I feel like more times than not, if it's within the first couple of years, it's usually out of a place of comfortability, not because you both made this like great change and then are back together and everything is right. Now of course anything can happen, but I guess you know, taking from stories I've heard and experienced personally and whatnot, that more times than not, it's out of just a place of comfortability and not out of a place of
1: growth. I think those situations. Uh, I think if you're strong enough to handle the fact that knowing she was, he or she was with someone else while you were broken up, and you can get back together and totally ignore that, or be or be comfortable with it, because that's the hard part. Every time I see people split up. Either the girl, the guy goes and dates someone right away or they had someone else in mind right away and they went and dated someone else. And then, then they get back together because that person realized that the grass wasn't greener. They come back and they're like, oh, I miss you, I wanna be with you again. And then then slowly but surely the other person finds out that they were dating someone and sleeping with some, someone else. And they're like, oh, you fucking betrayed me. So I, I, you know, they, that's hard. It just happened to one of my best friends. He was married and she just decided that she was going to start going out all the time the beginning of the pandemic and she was out all the time and i'm like everyone i was kind of like that's kind of weird but okay he's all she hasn't been home for like three months i'm like whoa when you guys are married i was like holy shit. and then they you know he she, she finally moved out and he got a different place and then they started kind of talking again and he had actually listened to the first podcast and said that uh, he's like dude i heard some of the things that, that you said on there and i kind of felt like a shithead so i i reached out and i apologized to her about some things and you know now we're kind of talking again and it came up a, few, a couple months after they started h- hanging out again and trying to get back together that uh, he, he found out she was dating some, some someone else and that was the 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 deal breaker for for him because they were they were married and he he thought she was just out trying to get her her, her space. But uh, a lot of times, most time, I have found, and I know this might sound kind of, I don't know if it'll sound sexist or w- what it's gonna sound like, but I have found in my experience that most women are usually have another guy lined up before they leave a guy. That's just my experience. I could be wrong, but I've seen that so many times almost every time. So if you're, if you have a breakup, you know, you're, you just got to be prepared for that girl that know that that girl may have been dating someone else in the meantime to get through her pain or whatever that was. And if you get back together, you have to be comfortable with knowing that that was a deal. And, and, you know, nine times out of 10, if a girl goes to or a guy goes to a, a re- rebound person, they don't love the person. It was it's just to get get them through it, and then they may realize that that they've they fucked up. So it's that's a hard place to to come back to, knowing that you're you know that you're the one that you were so close with went and slept with some someone else. That's that's where I see most of them kind of that's that's the end. I mean,
0: yeah, you know, and I've seen two where it's just like people will get to back together after one of them has gone to somebody else as kind of like, and, and this is the way that I view it, is, is out of more of a place of like taking ownership again, which, you know, is, is so funny, I guess if you step completely outside of it and think of like the fact that like having sex with somebody is like, kind of like can be an ownership kind of feeling with somebody. So it's like, if you're with somebody and they had sex with somebody else, that can feel devastating because of like this bond that then moved on to something else, which I get, you know, it's obviously such like a powerful exchange of energy and such an intimate thing to share. But then, a, the dangerous way to view it then is from your previous partner or whatever, sleeping with somebody else. Then it's like you've lost ownership because obviously it's like you're two sovereign beings. I think that's what I've always really respected about the aspects of polyamory. I personally don't resonate with like that path for myself but really respect that that's kind of like the sovereign beings. And, you know, somebody is out having sex with somebody else that doesn't affect like the core fundamental of the relationship. Now, whether, you know, how many people that I actually works for or not, I don't know, but that, that same kind of thing of like, if you're getting back together because somebody that you were with slept with somebody else, is that actually because you're supposed to be back together or is that of a fear place? And out of a comfortability so you're trying to win somebody back because like you've lost you feel like you've lost an aspect of yourself that you had control over and that's where it gets dangerous is having more of that that view of
1: yeah. it, I guess. And I also think what what were the terms of the breakup? What what was the, the reason? are when we when we do try to go back to someone is it what are we hanging on to? What are mm. we what are we going back to what are we building towards so it's it's just a there's there's a lot of scenarios there and not everyone is is the same but you know what i say if you feel like you want to get back together with the person do it leave no leave no no uh no doubt for the future because nothing's worse than living with doubt. Oh, I should have done this, I should have done, done that. Because it, the minute you get back with like like my friend, your friend Tommy, he, he like got back and then he really found out what was going on and now he's done. Yeah. That's what he said anyway, but it's there, they don't, It's it's sometimes we need that extra bit of like, oh wait, now I really see what's going on because when they're gone, all you think about is the good parts. When you're back together
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean if that's if that's what you need totally you know I always say seeing isn't believing believing is believing so whatever is gonna
1: make you believe yeah it's funny because the the, the universe gives you what you need mm-hmm. you' you're you're gonna get what you what you need and if you need you need some closure sometimes getting back with with that person and i'm and I'm sure that it's worked. People have broken up and gotten back together and probably married and been happy for life. I think it takes a strong, strong person and and you're really going to be able to test your, your, your strength within yourself. So, Mm
0: -hmm. You know, and I think speaking for, it's like if you are somebody that is taking a break is, is leaving something that's really powerful to do. And I think can be really difficult for many people and like, you know, difficult on your ego and stuff is, is be celibate during that break.
1: Well, it's the best thing for you really. It's not, it doesn't make it the easiest to get over the person, but.
0: No, but it's good. Cause again, I think it gets you more in touch with your intuition. You're not allowing external forces to numb yourself or to distract yourself from the emotions you're feeling. Cause yeah, breakups are hard and they're supposed to be hard.
2: Well, you know, I- you're, I was guessing, I also feel like, you know, it, it does make it easier in a sense, because I mean, I don't know, I'm just speaking for myself, maybe, but, um, you know, I would feel so guilty if I did, you know, lost somebody dearly and, uh, you know, split ways and ended up, you know, immediately sleeping with somebody else. I don't know how I could live with myself like that, you know, mm-hmm. like guilt itself would then eat me up and it would make it more difficult, I feel. Yeah,
0: well, I think that's why it is. I mean, I know it in my younger days that was the go-to you know was immediately it's almost like a revenge type thing or something again very very trivial and very immature but something that because it was like this like you're mad that they're gone you're hurting that this love's gone so you're trying to find something to fill that place automatically and again the, the thing that could be harder for some and again like like you Brian I think that's beautiful because you're like listening to your your intuition saying like this would feel this would go out of integrity for me to do this right now is to like truly be more in touch during a separation where you're you know separating these cords with somebody is to get more in touch with your intuition versus like you know with my last breakup I just like meditated instead it's like okay old Brandon would go out and party and find people and whatnot but instead just meditate
1: (laughs) Brandon went straight down to to do cambo and Bufo. (laughs)
0: Oh, I did that a lot.
2: (laughs) Purge it out. Purge it all out. Oh, wow.
1: I guess Bufo. We're actually doing
2: combo ceremonies at the festival. You're holding combo ceremonies? Yes. Oh, (laughs) nice.
1: Oh, yeah. That's great. I just
0: somebody somebody doing like a late, late night, super secret combo set.
2: Like a um, DJ set yeah. with a <laughs> well, maybe yeah. We can play like music, for perhaps. But uh, um, silent disco and purge. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be kind of like You have to sign up ahead of time. Here, hold on. Actually, yeah. I, I realized that uh, I don't think people can hear my mic. Um, hold on.
1: Mm. I think they can. There should okay. Be. All
2: right, and um, there we go. Now my mic is um able to be heard. Okay, let's see. Um, yeah, so yeah, actually, the combo ceremony that we'll be holding at the festival—it's going to be a kind of like a sign-up thing. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of preparation and dieting that goes into it, um, so not anybody can just walk in. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting.
1: <laughs> I love that. So, nice. so yeah, the uh, the so so the dark moments that you experience in relationships are are the that's where the biggest growth comes from i was kind of i was comparing it to a psychedelic experience where you have these beautiful moments in it but then you have these dark moments that just suck and if we can kind of look at that in our relationships and throughout our life i know that some of the darkest moments of my life have made me the strongest and just like 2020 has been a dark place for a lot of people including me at times and I'm just, you know, I'm looking at it as as okay. Well, that that was a time for us to rebuild, grow, and you know, start start new, start fresh. Time for change. And and I and I think that's where a lot of people are afraid of change. I think that there's this overall. We've all been so comfortable, we've just all been comfortable in all of the shit that that we do. Well, I come home, I have some beers. I got my job, I got my good pay, I put this much money away, I'll be retired by this day. And woman, shut up, you know? And it's like, we can't allow ourselves to be so detached from our spouses and our children that we kind of just lose sight of what the whole family scenario is. And it's about listening to each other. It's about love, you know, a constant state of compassion
0: Yeah, you know, and comfortability is such a dangerous thing, you know, so you obviously want to feel comfortable with your family, with your partner, whoever, but to be comfortable in a relationship can be such a, take on such a different life where it's like, you're not trying anymore. You know, it's just like, I'm, I'm always trying to put myself in a place of like, I'm trying to like woo or impress my partner. Cause that's like, like think of like, what made you want your partner in the first place where you're trying to like, go after this person to you know, pursue this person to date them in the first place. What was that initial spark and not, and you know, at times that can be difficult to hold on to, but not losing that spark where you're just becoming comfortable and like you're that image that you're saying, your guts hanging out, you're slamming back some beers and watching a football game and not caring what your partner's doing. <laughs> but keeping yourself accountable and not letting yourself get comfortable where you get lazy and not want work within yourself to change, to be the best you, you can be to show up to that partnership
1: in. Yeah. I have a, I have a pretty good, Brandon knows about it too, but if you are in this, you know, say you've been in in your relationship for a long time, you've had the kids and you're just kind of, you guys used to do dates, you used to do festivals, you used to do all this fun shit. And you kind of just have this point where you're like, wow, we don't really have sex anymore. We don't really, I mean, that's kind of normal. Get yourself some MDMA. Get rid of the kid for a night and just and go for it. It's one of the best connecting sex on MDMA is one of the best con- reconnecting processes that there can possibly be. I we we've done it a few times in the past six months or so, and it's just you fall in love again. You feel like the person's new again. You feel new again. You feel you you get that that glittery gut feeling and you're the the sex is so is so like connecting and deep and magical that you you wake up the next day like craving that person again and, and that's a that's a hard place to get to without the drugs unfortunately but but mdma is such a good tool for that i i like Definitely. sassafras it's more of a natural and it's not so grindy and gnarly but Moonrock, Sassafras, MDMA, all that stuff is just, it's such a good tool for reconnecting to your spouse and just finding and feeling that that love again. There's there's something really deep in, you know, that mind, I don't know, it's weird. It, it like rebuilds love pathways or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, Definitely. Uh,
2: Especially also, I feel like the uh, combination of LSD and MDMA, um, with your partner, I think, is probably the best thing in terms of that. Like, I mean, just with the added introspection, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, then that's what I love. Like, my my partner and
0: I, we just we took some LSD a couple days ago, and it was just, like, to get, or to walk around, like, run around, we just felt like little kids, kind of that kind of energy, but, like, deeply in love, where we were just sitting, watching the sunset over the bay, which is like, this wow. incredible view, and this older lady, you know, she'll she like, it's pretty, like, probably kind of far out back in her day, just like kept passing. She was like, You, you guys, you are love. This, this, this is just peace. This is love. I love you guys. And just kept walking <laughs> and we're like, cool. Okay, we're doing something right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, and and then you know, I think you bring up and bring up such an important part if just with because even if if you if you're not feeling called to taking a substance like SAS, like MDMA, is creating a night where you allow yourself to like woo each other. You know, you know, people talk about the Kama Sutra, like it's this book of all these crazy sex poses, but so much of the book is actually the preparation for sex and for like intimacy of like the, you know, how you bathe, how like the cologne or the perfumes that you wear, all the preparation for it that I feel can get lost. The more comfortable that you get with somebody of like really present, set aside a night, even if it's like during this quarantine, like where you're at home, you're putting music on, you're acting like you're going out to a festival or whatever, and you put on fun clothes, you get dressed (laughs) up to impress each other, can just shift that perspective of seeing that person in that new light of like that same way of like that first time you took them on a date or you hung out or you met them or whatever it was that made you so attracted to them in the first Mm -hmm. place. is not just being like, well, we're just going to watch TV tonight, but actually setting aside designated time for those special intimate moments, whether that is that you're taking something you're feeling called to take something like MDMA or SAS, or you're just creating that space for yourself to experience together. I think it's such an important part to, to check in with that.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that, that was one of my realizations of my last LSD trip was I was telling my best friend, yeah, how come we don't treat our children like we did when we first started dating? we don't do that. We're not taking them out on dates. And I came home and it was before the pandemic hit, but I came home and we went to Marley bear concert and Spanish guitar. And, and then went and got a hotel room and some MDMA after that. And then another time we, I just made a surprise and went to Russell brand speaking. And <clears throat> she was just like, my God, you're trying, you're doing things. Like, this is so cool. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watch me try, oh,
0: Wow, you're trying.
1: <laughs> you're actually doing also, but yeah, it's it's that it's it's the it's the effort you know that they they want to see effort. Your spouse wants to see effort. And I know that us as men, we just kind of get to this point where we're you know, this is, this is, this is life. This is what it is. And this is, you know what you have everything you need. And there's still just that there needs to be that constant spark, that constant flame. That's going to keep it going. Yeah.
0: You got to keep stoking the fire,
1: you know, keep it alive. Uh, The, uh, uh, what was the other part I want to talk about today? The, uh, you know the the one thing that I that I see a lot of men doing, and I've done this in the past, and I haven't wanted to own my own what I really want. I mean, I've led girls' relationships on months too far, where I didn't want to leave them because I was a pussy, and I would basically push them out of my life until they broke up with with with, with me, and I'd be like, "Oh, you love me," and it was just like a whole saga that I would build. Up in my head and created the scenario for God. Oh my god. Like, yeah. yeah. You mean? It was just like, well, no shit that I left you, stupid. You didn't, you're a dick. So, oh
2: my gosh.
1: I, I, I'm guilty. No,
2: no wonder we get the bad reputation, man.
1: <laughs> a couple times. Holy man. I mean, and they probably have some kind of trauma from that. Oh, I'm sorry. Man. Is this a public apology on your behalf? I don't. Know. They probably listen to this. I don't know. I'm sorry. You know who you are. We'll make sure it reaches every corner of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but the, you know, the a lot of things that I did when I was more fuckboyish back in the day was, I would do things like play the play the blame game. You know, this is all on your. This is not me. It was like a very gaslighting, gaslighting, yeah. very manipulative kind of vibe that I would put out because I didn't want to own anything. You know, it was, it was like, well, you, you just you just you just don't understand me. You, you just don't get where I'm coming from. You don't get what I need. And they were just like, like, okay, okay. Well, let me let me try. And it was like there were, you know, a couple of girlfriends of mine that I had were, you know, trying, and I was just not allowing it. But uh, I think that you know, you saying that you just don't understand me instead of listening to to their needs and really caring for them and really sacrificing because I think that's a big word that we're all kind of missing in our relationships is how much are we sacrificing that person? How much time are we setting aside? Where's our time spot going to be? Like, today Kat wants to go do something, so I'm like, okay, after the broadcast, we're going to go hiking. We're going to go to Palos Verdes and make Sebi out, and we're going to go trudge around on some trails. And that's, I would rather go for a bike ride on on my own today, probably, but I know that that is going to make her happy, and that's going to bring us together as a family, and I need to do that. So it's the sacrifice that really makes us a family. It makes us other person happy because we're not going to be, we're, we're not going to be happy with a person that's not sacrificing anything for us.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's interesting. You, you, we were talking earlier um, about the, you know, the mentality of like, well, that's just the way I am. And I was realizing like a difficult thing for me over the past week is like, I, I mean, I live by myself. I live, a fairly reclusive life, so therefore, like when I'm not working, my time schedule is just whatever I want it to be. So all of a sudden, then when I'm on somebody else's clock because there's you know social schedules or something, I have like a hard time uh, like pondering that of like like be there at two to hang out with people like kind of relate like this hanging out. You know, I work on such my own time, which can be dangerous then in a social situation and realizing like for my partner being prompt and being on time for family zoom calls or whatever is very important. I almost have this, like realizing this defiant edge that comes up to me of being like, no, I don't want, I'm going to hang out a little longer, you know? And it's not that I'm trying to do anything against them. It's just like a, it's like defiant streak in me of like people wanting to control my time and me being like, nah. And it was interesting this holiday season in particular, seeing that come up and realizing like, okay, here's another aspect of myself to work on. If I want to be in this partnership, and realize that this is something really important for her that's an easy change for me because all it means is like well i'll just get up an hour earlier or i'll just like won't dilly dally as much like staring at a tree or whatever i'm doing from this causing me to be late you know but where before i think it's so easy to be like well that's just the way i am i i run on my own clock well that's just being egotistical and that's just <laughs> being basically saying that you don't care to work together in a partnership to collaborate together that's like well i'd rather do my own thing than
1: care about your needs i have childhood trauma from people being late my ex used to do that and i got i i think i broke up with him because of it for a while and we kind of got back together but we did get back together but my mom when she was on drugs she we would go she would pick me up after high school and i didn't have a car i was a freshman in my high school I would fucking sit in front of the high school until like 5.30 waiting for mm-hmm. no one there. I'd be by myself just like like in three, four days a week. And, and I just like so when I have to I mean I'm past it now, but there was special, there was a time in my life where if people were late, I would just lose it.
0: Mm. <laughs> it. You know, it's interesting for me, it was like growing up, my dad was such a stickler and such a hard ass to my mom and I about being um, on time or prompt for things that didn't really matter. Like they were arbitrary deadlines. And so, and to a point where it was just like caused a lot of strife and a lot of kind of like trauma in the family. That's like, I have like an aversion to, to like arbitrary deadlines, you know? So it's like work and stuff. I totally get it. But then to me, it's almost like, Oh, we're going to be to this party at seven. I'm like, well, if I'm there at eight, it doesn't make that big of a deal. And it's almost like I like to, because it's like this defiant thing of like, again, you know, we've talked so much about childhood things of like, whether you're trying something that you're trying to stick to your parents or your authority figure that you haven't dealt with and how that shows up against people you love because they're f- following some sort of similar trait and you're not relating to two things that, that like came up for me where I'm like, this whole thing is it's like me trying to stick it to my dad being a kid by people wanting to be on time. I'm like, that's fucking childish. But, you know, it's like, it's a thing that comes up and oh, yeah. it's a thing that can affect a relationship.
1: Yeah, no, I deal with that a little bit right now, you know, I had a hard, hard-ass dad. He was hard on her and didn't really give her a lot of uh, recognition for the good things that that she did, and that she, she could have done better. You know, so we we deal, deal with that. And you know, I one of the things that's really kind of helping me through when our tough times is knowing that her trauma is also my trauma now, and we have to deal with it. And, and I know that it's not me doing not my fault which if she's upset or she doesn't want to listen about something or whatever. I know what it is now. So I know that it, and it's up to me whether I'm gonna get pissed off about it or I'm gonna say, okay, this is coming from her from her pain body, from her trauma. And then you, you just kinda of go, hey, all right, look well, um, this is it. I get where this is coming from. Even if I say it or I don't say it, but it's like, okay, look, one one of the things that we're Working on right now is, um, is uh, to not not have uh, expectations. The, the other day, a tough one. The other day we we <laughs> went to, uh big Big Bear to go to the snow. and oh, nice. you know, It's going to be crowded. It's going to take us a long time to get there. It's going to take a long time. To get but it's That'd be cool. And we get there and she's just like complaining about the traffic and this and that. And I'm like, I told you it was going to be like this. <laughs> she doesn't like it. <laughs> and when we got back, it was a lot of things that happened like that that day. We got back and I'm like, you know, let's just both try to work on not having an expectation. I mean, we're going to set it at something to do today. And we're going to go for it like today. We're going to go on a hike. We're going to do a sun- sunset hike. If it's cloudy and, and there's no sunset, that's okay. Right? If we're gonna go to the mountains and we're gonna spend the day together, the family, that's what we're doing. If there's traffic, if the road's blocked and we can't make it. Okay. That's just part of the day. What what is this day gonna turn into now? What is yeah. it what is this month gonna turn into? What's this year gonna turn into? Twenty twenty was supposed to be the biggest year of my life, financially. It didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because that's that's just that's the way it is, that's that's being formless. That's being water. Water doesn't get pissed off. It figures when a when a rock gets in its way, it figures out a way to get around it, and it goes. Ugh. But I I think a lot of us have these expectations in our relationships that that are not being met. You know, I I have a close friend, and their her spouse is always fighting about she's not clean. It's a clean. And I'm like, wow, so he, he's got these crazy high expectations that he's not feeling he's never going to be happy. <clears throat> well, I think that with the, the less expectations we have of someone other than being loyal and other than being telling you the truth, and other than showing you compassion, I think you should have no other expectations of a person than the core values. Okay. Yeah. Like, hey, you're yeah. gonna come home at night, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I think, yeah, because it's
1: like an expectation. You can kind of hold on someone, but but as as far as who you want them to be in in this in this character that you created in your mind of this perfect person, it's gonna make you so happy if they're just cleaned up a little fucking better.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna do it. You got my son warm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's gonna change everything too, because you know, as soon as. If they did that, then it's just gonna be something else. Right. You know? Yeah, it's gonna be something else. It's just it's digging a hole at the beach. It's just gonna keep filling in. You know, I'm, I'm somebody I grew up with, uh, you know, my, my dad always had like extremely high expectations for everything, so I was always disappointed, but therefore by everything, right? And so that's like something I'm always working with. And I realized it a lot for this week. And what I realized too this week is like, you know, we uh, we started in LA, we're road tripping up back up here to um, San Francisco. And like, I, I, I'm not an early riser. And so like, I like got up late and we got on the road late and I was disappointed that we weren't gonna have as much time and then kept being afraid that it's like, you know, my girlfriend was like pissed that we were running late. And I just kept being like, oh, she's upset. She's really, with me being disappointed in my own expectations that I set for myself of like getting up late, getting the car packed, doing the thing, getting on the road. And what it ended up doing is like inhibiting this beautiful day that we had together because the whole time I was stressed that we didn't reach the point A and point B by a certain time instead of just allowing it to be what it's going to be. So who's the fool in that situation? There was, we were hiking in big service, like one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I wasn't able to be fully present in it because I was still hung up on the fact that we left an hour and a half late because I didn't do X, Y, and Z in time or whatever. And so here I am missing out on life by something so trivial and yet something so consuming. To myself at that time and to me that's what expectations does expectations create suffering instead yeah. of taking for everything exactly how it is and the beauty of that moment even if it's some shitty yeah, but
1: yeah yeah but also in that situation too you know that you wasted other people's time possibly mm-hmm. you, it's like that happens to to me also and i think that when you're thinking about it all day like that that's your lesson that's your like your consciousness on you damn, I should have got ready the night before. What was I thinking? I should have woke up. Yeah. It's, just, it's a trip that we're all on, and there's other people that are with with me. So I get that, and I don't think that's real I don't think that's too bad. Holding your a better expectation for yourself because next time you're probably not going to to do that because of the shitty feeling that you had from doing it the first time. Or you're, yeah. you're not likely to. I think. I think you guys going to Big Sur and expecting good good weather. They've been pissed off because you didn't get it. I think that's a different that's mm. the that I'm talk, talking about. Wanting yeah, to be perfect. Wanting something to be the way you pictured it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You're just being lazy. You need to work on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I told you dude, this week has just been me like in in hibernation mode. Yeah. Starting to get to me.
1: Mood. <laughs> But we all get those. We all get those. That when 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 we're slipping. Like I've been feeling it this week. Like I can't I can't wait to get to work. I can't wait to focus on things but then I gotta. I gotta move on this. I, I gotta get that going. And that's that's our that's our. What do you call that? That's your um, that's A your goal mind. Yeah, that's your motivation. That's that's yeah. your you wanting to be better. And knowing that you can be be better, there's nothing worse than knowing you could have prepared for something better, and you're in it, and you're like shit. Like if like if you go back backpacking and you didn't pack good, good enough, you're you're kind of fucked.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You know, because it is that thing too. It's like all of a sudden, too, if there's other people with you, they're somewhat. You're, and you're the one leading the trip or whatever, it's your responsibility and to like feel like you're inhibiting someone else's experience due to your lack of preparation or timeliness or whatever is a shitty feeling, you know, but it comes back to like preparation thing.
1: That that will eat at you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's like something that we do to our dads when when we're kids, you know, dad's like, get up. We got to go. I'm tired. I didn't get home till late. Not really caring about what he fucking thinks yeah 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 yeah. i'm guilty of that too but it's 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 worse it's it's one thing when you do it to yourself when you when when there's others involved that's that's when it's hard on you
0: yeah
1: yeah that's for sure for sure for sure Nice. Yeah. So the so yeah. So kind of like I'm. You know, the one thing I think everyone should remember when you when your partner's in pain, don't take it personal. There's something going on that you're not aware of. My mom went through a whole marriage with my father for five or six years, and never even told him that she was molested by her grandfather for nine years. Oh wow. He never knew. I told him when I was like 14. He never knew. Dang. She just told me more about it the other day. More shit keeps coming up. want to listen to what kind of trauma my mom lives with every day. I can't wait to get her into ay- ay- ayahuasca. She just did the third few rounds of cambo. Oh wow, she would really benefit from that. I'm sure. she, was, she, she from Cambo. She uh, cured her hot flashes that she had for over 20 years. Wow. Had some stomach issues because she had gastric bi- bypass like 20 years ago, and more like 15 years ago. And she's had like she said she's had diarrhea for the past 10 years. I'm like, Mom, why didn't you tell me this? But her her diarrhea is fixed. She, she has normal normal bowel movements. Uh-huh and uh she's telling me this story the other day it was just horrific and you know she's she's her i'll just give a short version of it but her grandfather and her grandmother slept in separate beds and her and and her she slept in the bed with her grandfather every night and he would wait to hear the grandmother start snoring And then that's when he would do his thing to her. And she was just crushed and she was telling me this. This was just like, she told us this just last week. And she's talking about how, you know, that my grandmother had to know because the sheets were always bloody. And this is what this woman lives with every day. She never got to let go of it. She never got, never told my father. They were married for years. And then she loved him more than anything in this world. So just everyone out there has to understand that there is people out there living with massive trauma that they will never talk about. And an- another thing that we kind of want to start touching on on this podcast is there's, there's so many forms of trauma that, and there's and there's trauma that we don't think about it. The, like the people that have inflicted trauma on others, that's a whole different form that no one's even talking about. And it's big. And no one will ever talk about it because what are you going to do? Talk about something horrible that you did to someone? So, you know, I just think about all this, this this cycle of trauma that keeps happening. If you're the one that inflicted it, if you're the one that took it and you're the one that starts inflicting it and the person that inflicted it keeps doing more of it because they can't talk about it. And then it's just, it's just this ongoing thing. And I've also been really into... Uh, uh, generational trauma and how you pass on your trauma to your children. My mom's trauma was definitely passed on to me and her. And then when my grandfather died, she went into this really deep darkness and drugs and everything else. And that was passed on to me and my family was gone. So if you, we just have to know that we're not working on ourselves. We're not gonna, we're not gonna help anything. Sorry, I have these little fly. Uh We're not gonna help anything in our life, we're not gonna help this world until we start to heal our own trauma that she is not going away. And if you think you didn't think about it for a while, it's gonna come back. My mom is 60, 67 years old and just broke down crying like a little girl at the dinner table the day after Christmas or the week weekend after Christmas because of what happened to her when she was two to nine years old. And she's never dealt with it. These, I know that all trauma is relative and people have it. It, Your trauma could have been, maybe you're this wealthy kid that your mom told you you were stupid when she was drunk on Xanax all all the time. And you're fucked up because of that. Your level of fucked upness in your head might be as bad as my mother's. We don't know the age. So you just you have to understand that if something happened to your spouse along the way, there may be shit that happened to them that they'll never tell you about. And will they ever tell you? We don't know. Maybe they need a psych- psychedelic experience. Maybe they need uh, ay- ayahuasca to kind of show them that, Hey, there is trauma because some people don't even remember. They yeah. they've blocked it out. The mind is a, is a complex place we're not going to be able to heal trauma until we can actually see it so
0: much of the time it's a survival tool yeah so you're not constantly living and reliving that but then again it can become a a crutch for growth before Mm -hmm. it gets passed on because it's not even realized
1: yeah they they have scientific proof that they're that your that your trauma attaches to your dna and passes on it doesn't change your DNA but it attaches to it from from what I've read and that passes on to your children so until you start to 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 actually deal with that and accept it and let it go we're just living in these we're living in these parallel universes of 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 of, uh, trauma of uh, parallel trauma with people and just all this stuff keeps happening and keeps branching out Look at how bad like, human trafficking is and all these this like shit you hear about children being, you know trafficked and you know these pe- pedophile rings and stuff. That all comes from somewhere. you know it, it all comes from something that happened to those people most likely. I think I don't know, I don't know for sure, I just kind of assume, but it seems like most people that are abusers were abused them, themselves. Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. So to some degree. I mean, that's usually when somebody, t- I mean, you hear it all the time with like, people that were caught, people that, you know, done atrocious things, not because they had this perfect childhood and then also switched one day. So it was passed on and passed on and passed on.
1: Passed on. Just-
0: you know, I think it's why it's so important. Again, you know, I, th- I think it can be easy to go to think, well, you know, my trauma isn't that bad, but all trauma is trauma and it's relative to how you perceive it and the effectiveness that it's had on you and therefore what you're gonna pass on and put out in the world. And that's why, you know, it, it starts with us to end that generational trauma to heal it for our future generations.
1: I I think uh, a yeah. Lot... Go, go ahead, Brian. Oh, I just said, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think a lot of what we're seeing in our political climate right now is are mm-hmm. huge, generations of trauma coming to light like the the uh feminist movement most of those women have been have been sexually assaulted have been raped have been molested have been abused by men i mean i know a couple of them and they definitely were and there's 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 a whole generation of people out there fucking pissed off right now and it's not because of a president It's not because of a what they saw. I'm just I'm so sick of of police. Fuck you! They're just gonna go out and fucking want to kill people. Like you don't no, you're not like a mindful person that has your thoughts under control. Going out and burning down fucking buildings and because you hate hate cops. Mm, Yeah. You know, there's something else going on. There's there's a deeper thing there. Forty percent of our country is morbidly obese. You're not morbidly obese because you're because you're controlling your thoughts because you're because you're practicing mi- mindfulness. You're covering something up. Alcoholism, crazy, crazy amounts of alcoholism. You can buy a bottle, a huge bottle of booze in the store and kill yourself with, with it if you want. Alcoholism is crazy. I think wh- one person dies from an alcohol-related accident every fifty minutes. Uh, there's like 85% of all uh, se- sexual assaults on campus are alcohol-related. Oh, wow. Uh, like 90, the, the, the numbers behind alcohol are staggering. And it's not from people that are just living these happy lives, most of them. I mean, it starts out that way when you're young. But as you get older, you're, you're covering shit up. you know. And the more stress, the more stress. We have a sick nation. And I believe that most of it is from trauma. It can happen anywhere, it can happen from an uncle, it could happen from this or that. I have a story too. There was a guy uh, in our um, one of our ayahuasca ceremonies, and this guy was like really good looking dude, like ponytail, very Venice Beach, like very Venice Beach, hippie guy, kind of, kind of he uh, was kind of annoying me a little bit. It's because I'm, like, he's, like, doing all his dancing stuff the whole night and, like, growing on the ground and just, like, feeling himself. And I'm kind of just, like, all right, all right, dude, I get it. Okay, cool. Like, like, go back to your mat, please. (laughs) (laughs) That was my mind. I was just – that was my ego. Yeah. There's there's
0: probably a part of him you're a little jealous about.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And and, – and this after the second day we were sharing, and he it came around to, to to him, and he was like, he was like, man, he's like, you know, you guys, I'm just very grateful, and I'm very happy, and I feel so good today. Like I was finally able to get my uncle's semen out of my mouth, and I just was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, Adam! You're such a fucking dick! I can't believe you even thought anything about this guy. You just don't—you don't know what's going on in people's lives. Yeah, you don't—you don't know. And this guy looked like he, like that guy, ain't got no problems. Look, look at him—he's a beautiful man, well-spoken, well he, like, he's got an education. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I think you know that it brings up such an important point of viewing others always with compassion over those. That's the hardest to view compassion over. I remember, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, one of the things I wanted to sit and meditate on was having compassion for the cop. Of like, here's this person of all this hatred that committed this atrocity. How can I have compassion towards somebody like this right now? You know, towards towards anyone, because you don't know somebody's story, you don't know the generations of trauma that led to that cop performing that that act, and the, the karma that he's then the karma he's passing on to his family and his generations to come. You know, you can almost view it as like there's already so much punishment that's happened to him already to get there. You know, and how can not that you know actions shouldn't have um, you know there shouldn't be justice for actions that, you know, were committed, but just how can we come to every situation with compassion, especially the people that we're judging, you know, and also like, why are we judging them to begin with? And then how can we have compassion? Cause we never know what people's stories are. We never know what their trauma is. What brought them yeah. to this point.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so now um, we're actually coming uh, up on uh, the next uh, live stream. So we're going to take a couple minutes here to take some questions and answers. Um, so, uh, I scrolling up. Actually, we do already have our first question. Um, Daft was saying, um, um, definitely everything unresolved comes back up somehow. I'm 33 Ooh. years old and still trying to unpack old childhood childhood issues. But I remember 27 to 31 years of my, you know, when when he was about that old, was very rocky for him. Uh, a friend said that was common. Maybe it had something to do with uh, the physical growth of uh, of the brain.
0: Hmm. You know, I remember when when I was a kid, or when I was in my early twenties, that was probably one of the most one of the hardest points for me, like mentally, of just like how to process things, how to figure things out. That's when I dealt with the most anxiety. And I remember talking to my mom at the same time. And it seemed like it was almost a general, uh, a family related thing of like early on, like dealing with depression and anxiety as like you're growing into your own, um, you know, I, I still feel very fortunate that, you know, I think it was like 26 or 27 that I really st- started getting into like ceremony and ayahuasca and these things that really helped me kind of do some house cleaning in my head and figure out the cause and the root of these anxieties that, you know, I almost feel it's like at that age we start going through this tremendous growth of like if you're, if you're a male, you know, like really becoming like a centered uh, masculine figure in the world and this stuff will keep coming up as something for us to sort through to kind of understand what it is that is blocking us from like our higher purpose and then get on that path. But it can be very to tumer- to tumer- <laughs> it can be very difficult. <laughs> I say that word today. It can be very difficult to sort through it's
1: at that time. Yeah. My, my, I fucked up in my early twenties. I mean, I had a lot of fun, but I just went straight to partying. I partied really hard. A lot of ecstasy weekends and, <laughs> You know, I, but I kind of fucked myself up because we were, you know, the kind of women that come along with that scene (laughs) was not the best. And it it gave me this really bad image of what I should be with the kind of woman that I should be with and the kind of friends that I should be around. And, you know, most of my close friends were, we were all into partying and drugs and stuff. And I started, I actually kind of got out of it around 23 or 24 and then I went back to school, took some business classes, and then I got a job in, in my same industry now that I had my own business started by the time I was 25. But then I had started to kind of, uh, you know, I still had a lot of unresolved trauma because I started, that's when I started taking pills and I was on opiates for, uh, I was about 30, uh, on and off to my early 30s. But... It is kind of still escaping re- reality and I didn't really want to 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 deal with that shit. And if I would have, if I would have found ayahuasca and, and these medicines and stuff in my early 20s, my life would have been so much different. It would have been so much different. And I can't look back and I can't think about it as something I, I wish I would have done that and, and dwell on it. I'll be honest, I wish I would have, but... not going to dwell on it because everything brought me to where i am right now at the right place in the right time yeah but if you're if you're out there the guy that asked the question and man if you're already feeling this stuff and you're watching this podcast the chances are you're already you're already halfway there you you know like we can help like there's things out there for you that can help and with things like medicines like ayahuasca and and with psilocybin and cambo and bufo and these these things they will just—they'll open you up to, to receiving love and receiving love from yourself. And I think that's where I lacked for so long. I didn't have self-love. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know that I needed to take care of myself in order to really experience this life in the way that it should be. So, if if, if you have some some trauma and some things that you want. To, to work work on, really start to just to just get into your your own mind through meditation daily practice. Maybe if you are experienced with psilocybin, uh, maybe try a couple of hero doses or start microdosing until you feel com- comfortable with it. But uh, until you start to really undust uncover that trauma and start to own it and put it up on the shelf it's going to be there and it's going to fuck you up for forever. I think
0: the important part though, is like realizing that there's something that keeps coming up and that you want to change. You know, that was I think the biggest thing for me is like realizing my anxiety and that I didn't want it anymore. And yeah. there wasn't something I could hide from. And how was it going to change? It? I think that's almost like the enlightenment spark, you know, is the, the willingness to do the work yeah. to change, Absolutely. to realize that you can, you don't have to live with this, this feeling that there's options, you know, and everyone has their different path of getting there, but there's, a, you know, a way to, to build this like divine love and happiness and
1: bliss. Yeah. And also too, a big one, you don't have to remain that same person that you are right now. You can become somebody new and that's totally fine. You know, so are there any more questions? Um, <clears throat> let me see. Um, there are no
2: other questions, but uh, do you guys have any closing remarks for us?
1: Um, well, I would say that, uh, you know, accountability is number one. You got to hold ourselves accountable and you have to be accountable for everything in your life. I think we're seeing it on such a huge scale right now. People all of a sudden want to be healthy because it matters. People want to, Get in along in their relationships because it matters more than ever now. Because we're in a polarizing moment that we don't have, that we're just um, we're we're experiencing this time with each other that we can't get away. So. You know, there's things that you can do out there. The daily practice is number one. Psychedelics work and they give you a beautiful roadmap of where you need to to go, but it doesn't give you the the daily work. That comes from inside and you really wanting to change. And if you want to change, you'll do it for sure. If you want to do it, you will do it. If you want to go get a new job, you'll go get a new job. It's the same thing. It's the same need and the same want. So hold that close.
0: Yeah, I'd say be good to others by being good to yourself first. You know, I, there's so much talk of the, like everyone's excited for 2020 to be over. Everyone's excited that there's a new president that doesn't change anything. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you you change everything. You know, you change right. the world and your environment that of which you're in, you know. Gandhi like said be the change you want to see in the world, so you know, it starts with us and We can all shift our consciousness just a little bit each day to being more grounded, more at peace, treating others with more compassion. That's what's going to change our community and our world in 2021.
2: Well said. Wow. Thank you guys so much. We really, really appreciated this. Thank you. Thank you. We are really looking forward to um, having you guys hosting a series of talks uh, this uh, upcoming April at Lost But Found. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah we're, we're excited to be there man it's been a while since i've been out your way so i'm, I'm
2: excited to get out there this spring it's gonna be amazing <laughs> thank you again all right all yeah. right all right awesome Thanks, man. yeah See you guys, you guys have a wonderful day stay safe we're brandy as well happy holidays yeah happy new year all right thank nice you so you. much <laughs> peace peace